Tanya for the 18th day of Kislev, of Teves. We're at the beginning of Perek Yud Aleph, chapter 11, page 160 in the Lessons in Tanya. In the previous chapter, the Alter Rebbe explained the two levels of tzaddikim, the perfect tzaddik and the imperfect tzaddik, and basically said that they both have no desire for God, for ungodliness, for unholiness at all. They have no appetite for unholiness. They despise the unholiness. Only the perfect tzaddik despises unholiness simply because it is unholy. He despises it utterly, meaning he despises it essentially. Whereas the imperfect tzaddik despises unholiness. He feels no attraction, no appetite, and no desire for anything unholy. In fact, he hates it and despises it. Only he despises it because it conflicts with godliness. And he prefers godliness so much more than ungodliness that the ungodliness loses all appeal and the feeling is completely gone so that the tzaddik can, can be under the impression that it is completely non-existent within him. The fact is that it does still exist within him, only it doesn't have even the ability to create a feeling, much less an action. Just uh, parenthetically, when the Al-Tareb is describing the utter hate with which the tzaddik hates unholiness, he says two levels. He says he hates the, the, uh, the sitra achra, and he despises the evil. Because in the klipa, there are two parts. There's the spiritual part, and there's the actual part. The spiritual part of klipa is like the feeling of self, selfhood or selfness. Just the very state of being conscious of self. That's not a bad trait. It's not one of the four elements. It's not arrogance. It's not passion. It's not laziness. It's not anger. It is the spiritual part of the klipa, and that part the tzaddik hates because it is something that the tzaddik grapples with and hates. Hating is an involvement. Whereas the actual evil, an arrogance, an anger, a passion for physical things, this the tzaddik despises utterly. He has no relationship to it whatsoever. It doesn't exist for him. And that's called despising. So those are the two levels of tzaddikim perfect tzaddik and the imperfect tzaddik. Now in chapter 11, the al explains the other two categories of Jews, and that is the two levels of Rishoyim. And one is opposite of the other. Holiness has its counterpart. There is an unholiness created opposite of every holiness so that, that you have Rosh of you have a Rosh who has good, opposite the imperfect Tzadik, the Tzadik who has bad, who has evil, opposite this Tzadik you have the Rosh of a Rosh who is also not a perfect Rosh. He's not completely wicked. The godliness in his mind. Because we said the godly soul is in the brain. And in the right side of the heart. 
this godliness is kofla for bottle legabi hara Instead of having the animal soul overwhelmed by the love of the godly soul, which overflows into the left side of the heart and influences the animal soul, here you have the opposite. The godly soul in the right side of the heart and in the brain is overwhelmed by the evil of the klipa from the left side of the heart. And this too can be divided into tens of thousands of levels. Just as the tzaddik who knows evil, tzaddik vizali, comes in many degrees in terms of how overwhelmed, how bottle the evil is within him. Bottle b'shishim and so on. But not less than shishim because less than shishim has an effect. A food that falls into that has more volume and is therefore not a sixtieth but more than a sixtieth of the food that it's in will will retain a taste and give a taste to the food. Giving a taste means that it has an effect. In the tzaddik, the evil has no effect. And so it's a bottle at least b'shishim. And then it can be bottled more and more. The same is true also in the rasha v'tayvli, that, he, that the evil overwhelms the good within him, but to what degree this bitl, to what degree this overwhelming varies. So there can be tens of thousands of levels within the category of Rasha of the table. Chaluk is being kamus ve'echos There can be differences among these Rishoyim in terms of the degree of bitl. Luchfifas v'sholim and how overwhelmed the good is by the bad. Yesh There will be one Rasha in whom the good is overwhelmed by the evil very slightly. The Avgam Zeis, not only is it a degree of uh, a, a quantitative difference, that this is a little bit of, of overwhelming, a little bit of bitl, and in another person it can be more quantitatively, more bitl of the good to the bad, but also, this little bit of of subservience that the good is overwhelmed by the bad doesn't happen all the time. The late Tadil Prakim Kraven and not even frequently. rather on infrequent occasion Hara Al Infrequently the evil overwhelms the good the and takes over the body which is compared to the city. The city that the two kings are fighting over as explained in chapter 9. And even this is even on these rare occasions when the evil does overcome the good it overcomes it only in a limited form. In other words, in one of the three garments. One part, one garment responds to the evil and becomes a vehicle to the evil. And then that part of the body becomes a garment to one of the three garments of the animal soul. Specifically that means 
Either there can be a case where a person will give in infrequently, on rare occasion. He will give in to the garment of action of the animal soul, which means that he will actually do, in, 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 in action, indeed, he will do a sin. Not a major sin, a minor sin. But only in action. Or there can be another person, another Rasha Vatevloi, who is whose rare uh, fall into sin is not in action. He never sins in action. But once in a while, on a rare occasion, he will succumb to a sin in speech. Which means, To speak that which borders on being slander or scoffing and things of that sort. So again, it's not a, it's not a, a major sin. It's a minor sin. And it's only in speech. But he will not transgress in action or in thought. Then there can be a third person, a person who will allow himself on rare occasion to transgress, but only in thought, which are thoughts of sin, which are in some ways worse than sin. But not that he is actually sinning in thought. In other words, he is thinking He's thinking a thought that could be sinful. Hirhuleyaveda, not the the thought that accompanies the act of a, of a sin, but merely the the daydreaming or the contemplation of sin, and this can be even more harmful than sin itself. So there are three different kinds of rasha. All of them will sin only rarely, and only in minor transgressions. And each of them will sin only in one garment. Because there's that kind of person who when he thinks of sinning in action, he, he can't, it, it's so concrete, it's so real, it's so tangible, that he can't permit himself that kind of sin. But to sin in thought, what could a thought hurt? He can't see the damage or, or the, or the comp- compunction to not sin in thought. On the other hand, you have a person who the the idea of sinning in thought is totally repugnant. Because thought is a very delicate garment. It's in the brain, in the head. And to corrupt such a delicate thing is unthinkable. But to do a sin just with your hands, what could possibly be the harm? Then you have a third kind of person who feels that to sin in action, this is too concrete. This he would never allow. To sin in thought, this is too delicate. That he would never allow. But speech, he merely said. He didn't do anything. He wasn't thinking about it. He merely said it. So he will permit himself an indiscretion in in speech, but not in thought and not in action. So there are three different kinds of people, and depending on their type, they will allow themselves an indiscretion in one of the three garments, but not in all three. So we have a Russia who sins very infrequently, only minor transgressions and only in one garment. And yet he is a Russia, and he's called Russia Vatevli. Even though in this sin of thought 
he is not thinking to sin, he's merely thinking about immodest things, not as a plan to do them, but simply in his awareness of, it, of the existence of sin. He thereby transgresses. A warning of Torah, etc. That a person shouldn't harbor unholy thoughts so that he doesn't come to sin. But the harboring of the unholy thought itself is not yet a major transgression. Or he had an opportunity to study Torah and he wasted it instead, wasted the time. As we learn in Pirkei Oves, one who's up at night, which means that he doesn't have anything else to do. He's not at work. And yet, he wastes his time with vanities. Then this is not a good thing to do. He's guilty. He's And in committing any of these or similar things, he would be called a Rosha. Why is he a Rosho? Shahara Shabinafshe Gaverbe By the very fact that the unholy impulse within him has has prevailed, and it has clothed itself in the body, and brought the body to behave in an unholy fashion. Once the the animal soul gains control of the body, that's already a Rosha. Even if the sin is a very minor one. But immediately after the sin, his godly soul regains control and he immediately regrets his sin. And he immediately asks forgiveness and pardon and God forgives him. If he does tshuva properly, according to the advice of the sages, with three different types of forgiveness as Rabbi Shmuel used to teach and is explained elsewhere. The three forms of pardon are if a, if a person fails to do a positive mitzvah and he regrets, then he is forgiven immediately. If he violates a negative commandment but which doesn't have a death penalty and he repents, then Yom Kippur, together with his repentance, brings forgiveness. And if the sin carries a death penalty or curse, then after repenting and being forgiven by Yom Kippur, he then suffers in order to bring about a full forgiveness. And by the fact that there are three different types of forgiveness, this shows us that there are three different types of sin. So the, the imperfect Russia meaning to say the Russia who still has some good, can be on one extreme, an individual who sins very rarely, only minor sins, only in one garment of the soul, and immediately does tshuva, regrets the sin, and is immediately forgiven. Then, however, there's also the one in whom the evil is more strong, and in this person, when he sins, he sins in all three garments, or any of the three garments. 
And when he sins, it's a more severe sin, major sins. And it's much more frequently. This person, too, is in the category of Rasha V'tayvloi. Where is the good? The good consists of the fact that between sinning, although he sins in major sins, and he sins in all three garments, in other words, he's really immersed in it, and he does it frequently, but in between, he has regret. And he has thoughts of tshuva coming from the goodness of his godly soul that raises itself up to some degree in between the sinning. Here are thoughts of tshuva. Not actual tshuva. He doesn't have the godly soul doesn't have enough strength to be that victorious he can't move the godly soul can't move the person to completely separate from the sin to desist and 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 admit and then not sin again this the godly soul can't do but he can throw in thoughts of regret and regret and thoughts of tshuva and concerning this level of Russia, the sages said that that the wicked are full of remorse. This is not a criticism of the wicked and a condemnation of their remorse as being untrue or hypocritical. It's a description of the level of a Russia who, although he succumbs to sin, has not lost all sensitivity and still has feelings or impulses of godliness which produce not actual tshuva but at least an, a, a, a feeling of regret. And this represents most sinful people who still have some goodness in their soul. But the one who never regrets this is already a different category of Russia. The first two, the one who sins very seldom in only one garment, only minor sins, and then does tshuva immediately, this is one extreme of the category of Rasha V'tayvle. The other extreme of the same category, Rasha V'tayvle, is the person who sins frequently with major sins in all three garments and has only uh, instinct of regret but not actual tshuva. However, the person who doesn't have feelings of regret, the ain bayim tshuva klau, and he never has thoughts of tshuva, nikra rasha veraloi. This is the second category of rasha. This is the rasha veraloi. What does it mean, raloi? If he's a rasha, then obviously he has evil. It means sheharasha benafshei hu levade nisha bikirbe. You want to describe this rasha? You say zaloi. He has evil, meaning he has nothing but evil. The evil has become so overwhelming within him that the good has been completely displaced. So it hovers, the godly soul and the goodness, 
hovers above him, around him, but is not within him. And that's why he never feels, he never experiences these feelings of tshuva. The lachin amredizal. And because it hasn't completely left the person, it has merely gone from inside to outside. And the result is that he doesn't feel his godly soul. Not that he doesn't have a godly soul. That's why the sages said, that on every, wherever ten Jews are together, the Shechina rests. And this is caused by the con- combination of ten Jewish souls. Even if they are all on the level of Rosh Hashanah. And so the Alter Rebbe ends the chapter on Rosh Hashanah on a positive note, pointing out that even the lowest level of Russia, Russia Vizalei, which is a rare kind of Russia, even such a person has a Nishama, and the ten Jews together create a presence of godliness that would cause an angel to be consumed by, by, its, by this holiness. In the next chapter, the Rebbe begins to explain the, the main character of the book, and that is the Benani. In the Hagen game for the 18th of Teves, the Rebbe writes that when you finish a Sefer, you finish a complete Chumash in the, in, in the reading of the Torah, then Gam Ha'elo L'Torah Emer Chazak Chazak V'Nis Chazek. Ba'amiras V'Yihin Noyam B'Meitzoi Shabbos Kedesh. When we say the uh, paragraph V'Yihin Noyam on Meitzoi Shabbos, Keiflim Posuk Eirach Yomim etc., then we repeat the last verse, the verse Eidach Yomim. But, Lei Betfila Shachris, when we say Vihineyam, as part of the davening Shabbos morning, we don't repeat the Pasuk. The Yesa Tzamach Tzedek Yeled, when the Tzamach Tzedek was a, was a boy, the Loma Des HaKosuv, Vayichi Yankiv Be'eretz Mitzrayim, Shva Esre Shana, he learned that uh, the Pasuk says, Yankiv lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years, so his Malamid translated the Pasuk al Pipirish Balaturim, according to the commentary of the Balaturim, where he says that Yankiv Avinod Gilebdi Zibitzim Besti Yarin in Mitzrayim, that Yankiv lived his best years, the 17 best years of his life, he lived in Egypt. When the Tzamach came home from Cheder, Shoal as Zikne Admar Azakim. He asked his grandfather, the Al-Tadebim, How is it that Yankev, the Chir HaOvis, the greatest of the, of the patriarchs, Yihiyu Mifcha Shneis Chayov, the best years of his life, Yud Zayin Shona, Shegor Be'eretz Mitzrayim Ervas Oretz, should be the 17 years that he lived in Mitzrayim, the abomination of the earth, the most unholy place of, of earth. How could he have had his best years there? So the Alter Rebbe responded, It says that when Yaakov was about to go down to Egypt to join Yosef there, it says that he sent Yehuda before him to give instructions for Geshem. What does it mean to give instruction? Isa b'medrish, muva berashi. So the medrish says, and Rashi quotes it, Omar Ab that Ab said that he sent Yehuda Lahaskin based Talmud to prepare a yeshiva. 
a yeshiva where there will be Torah studied, and that the Shvatim, the tribe, should be able to devote themselves to the study of Torah. The meaning of the words, as men learn Torah, the word Geishna is the name of a place, but it also means to approach. When you learn Torah, you come closer to godliness. is given so that even in Egypt, it was a true living. He really lived. 